2: Hello and welcome to The Reset with me, Sam Delaney. This is a podcast about mental health. I want to encourage people, especially blokes, to open up a bit more about how they feel and the stuff that's going on in their heads, because I know it helps to do that. But I also know how hard it can be to do that. Back in 2015, I went into therapy to help me give up booze and drugs, which were lifelong habits that had started to get a bit out of hand. Getting sober was the best thing I ever did, but it was just the start. Once I knocked the drink and drugs on the head, I had to find new ways of dealing with the problems, the dark feelings and the bad moods that visited me every so often. I tried a lot of different things, antidepressants, exercise, meditation, eating shitloads of sweets with mixed results, but easily the best way of coping with life's bad times, in my opinion, is through talking honestly about them, sharing your problems and learning not to be embarrassed ...or ashamed about the way you feel... ...because everyone feels that way sometimes. Anyway, that's what this podcast is designed to help you do. Listen to me and my guests talk in honest, hopefully jargon-free ways... ...about our struggles. It's mental health chat without all the usual bollocks. My first guest is Sean Ryder from the Happy Mondays. He's been a hero of mine since I was a teenager... In recent years, I've got to know him a little bit and I've learned that despite his reputation as a nutter, he's also a very sensitive and intelligent bloke who's not afraid to admit to his own vulnerabilities. The perfect sort of guest for this pod, in other words. Now, I did this interview with Sean a while back, before lockdown. It's just taken me ages to get round to actually making this podcast, to be honest. Also, this sounds a bit dodgy at times because I think Sean's mic was a bit iffy, but you don't care about all that, do you? It's an honest, it's a raw, and it's at times a very funny conversation. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it. Here we go. Storm Ryder, welcome to my podcast. Are you all right, mate? I'm all right, mate. My Good. Podcast, Good. All right, yeah. Good. It's great to have you here. Thank you. You're a rock and roll star, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drugs are a big mm. part of your reputation. Mm. And when I was growing up and, you know, you were an icon for me and all of my mates and we sort of thought, you know, it was sort of inspirational for a lot of reasons. And part of it was, look at what a laugh they're having and look what a big part of that drugs are, you know? Yeah, absolutely and then it's not until you get a lot older that you realise that, yeah, it is a right laugh, but there is a big fucking bleak side to it that you yeah. don't see.
3: There always was a bleak side to it that you don't see. Always, yeah.
2: you know, always. Uh, how have you coped with that over the years?
3: Well, one, I've got a fucking big sense of humour, you know, uh, and, and two, uh, I mean, you know, let's go back you know, to to, to day one, you know, to school days. I mean, I I had a lot of issues at school, which in the 60s and 70s, it just wasn't heard of. Mm. You know, you didn't have learning difficulties. You know, learning difficulties when I was at school meant one thing, really, that you would go to the special school. Yeah. And at that special school, you was then tagged for life which meant you couldn't get a job other than sweeping toilets. If I went to that special school, I was only ever going to sweep toilets. I was never going to get any normal employment, not even at the post office. You know? Yeah. None of that. And my mum, because she was a nursery nurse, which is basically what my mum was, nowadays is called a teaching assistant. My mum, a few friends... I used to keep me out of the special school. And then when I went to secondary school, I was sort of, well, when I arrived at secondary school, I was put in set two for English and set two for maths, which was a joke. I couldn't spell, I couldn't punctuate. I don't know what punctuation is. Still, to this day, you can explain, you know, verbs and this to me, everything in punctuation, I will get it, and, and five minutes later, it's gone out of my head. Yeah. You can tell me that every day and spend eight hours on it. The next day, it's gone out of my head. Yeah. Right? I don't retain information. And, I mean, man, man, you know, so within, you know, the first sort of get to the secondary school, let's do some, you know, little tests. And in the first six months, I was put in set four, set four, which was, you know, the the...
2: Lowest. Lowest set, yeah.
3: you know. you That set was basically crowd control. Yeah. You know, because everybody was either ADHD, schizophrenic, you know. Uh, uh, dyslexic. dyslexic. Yeah. I mean, the dyslexics are so much wider range than yeah. just not being able, you know, to... Yeah to read or, yeah. or or write things down. With, dysle- with dyslexia, it's a whole other, you know, a lot of behaviours that you can't organise. You know, you can't keep things in an organised state. You can't keep your clothes folded. Yeah. You can't keep your wardrobe in neat. You know, your desk at school can't be neat. Yeah. You know, because, you know, if somebody is sat behind, the teacher's talking and somebody behind you goes, bollocks. You turn round, and everything that guy or that teacher woman has been talking about has gone out of your head. Yeah. Because somebody's either made a noise or said a word. You turn round and then and then what you get, you, you know, the next say, I don't understand that. You're not listening, but I am listening. You're not listening, but I'm listening. I don't understand it. No, you're not listening. Stop yeah. fiddling. Yeah. Stop fiddling. You know, you know, kinetic learners. You have to sit there doing yeah. that and fiddling. You know, that fiddling enables you to learn. You're a kinetic learner. Yeah. You know, so all that shit. You know, you go through, and by the time it, you know, had a year or two on that, and you're the class clown and the disrupting Yeah. And that now is. You know, we're, we're all aware of that. In the 60s and 70s, we wasn't.
2: So you get written off a bit.
3: Oh, you're well written
2: You get written off. And then, and then how does that make you feel about yourself from quite a young age? You you know, I suppose looking back, is that like you, you well, sort you of be but you believe what you're told. Well, and so you think, oh, I'm thick or, oh, I'm worthless.
3: You know, that's it. I'm thick. So if you get that thick inside your head, you're going to do anything to make you look smart. Right. Which means either robbing somebody. Yeah. Either hitting somebody and humiliating them. Mm. Anything to make you look like you're the dude. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and that's basically how I went on, how I be, you know, I became, you know, the favourite with the girls or mm. whatever. You know, and that's you get to a certain age and that's all you care about. You know, the mm. girls look like uh, you know, yeah, you know, I can take my bird out. We I'm thirteen, I can jump in a taxi we can go into Manchester City Centre and have half a lager and fucking gammon and eggs. <laughs> yes. Get back in the taxi, nice. and go back there. Yeah, know? yeah. I'm the geezer with the money.
2: Yeah. So so that you think, well, I haven't got brains. Way. I can't be respected for that. I'll be yeah. respected for other stuff. I'll well, find other things. When
3: you're respected for that other stuff, they don't look as though you're thick.
2: Yeah, it looks like you're the smart guy. If you've yeah.
3: got a couple of hundred quid in your pocket in 1975, Yeah. you're the, you're the fella. You're yeah. the lad. Yeah.
2: So, but Sean, let me ask you this: Did it? Did the other things going on, like first of all, the way in which you were sort of hung out to dry a bit at school, and then even some of the bad stuff you got involved in, you know, robbing or fighting or any of that stuff, did that make you feel miserable when you were young? And did you? And did you? Look, the
3: more the robbing, and the more I was going up the pecking order. Yeah. The more it made me feel good, right? And especially when you go and mix with a whole bunch of kids that are on the same path. Yeah. And then they've got a name and they've got a thing, and you're sooner or later, it don't matter whether he's the top brainiest kid in the school. You're well up there. Yeah, yeah. These kids. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, the more that you do. You know, I mean, I was 13 and I was working on building sites, rip, ripping cinema seats out. Yeah. That was a That was legal money. Yeah. And I was earning, in, in the 70s, I was earning, you know, 30 quid a day
2: doing yeah. that. You, what about when, you know, when fame came and all the stuff that went with it, what impact did that have on what? On mental health.
3: Well, that was really hard. I mean, one of the things was with, with me when I was really then secure because if I had got myself as a teenage kid, mm. when we then got into the band and we're going playing at the universities and we're mixing with other people mm. in, in that world, in university world or arty world, then all of a sudden I'm starting to feel worthless again. You know because these are clever people, right. and, and they speak a bit different. Yeah, and, yeah. And they've got, you know, basically they've got an outlook on life that I've got, but they're more in control of what uh, of it, and and they can express themselves in the vocabulary. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. So we're playing at universities and this and that, and I'm walking on stage and I'm feeling like half an inch tall right so to so to make me feel not half an inch tall get some drugs down you. yeah Edwin's a great one for feeling 20 foot tall right you know uh, speed anything you know that makes you feel cocaine anything that makes you feel the bollocks yeah So that's how I dealt with things, you know, when I'm playing at universities and I'm this and that and I'm talking to people who, you know, academically, I wouldn't say they're above me, but, you know, they're really there, you know, and it it can possibly make you feel smaller. Inferior. Yeah, inferior.
2: And then and, and what about um fame itself and the feeling when you, you think that everyone's when you got really big and everyone's talking about you and people recognise you and you feel as if there's gossip about you everywhere and you've been written about in the paper, does that is that something that you need to sort of numb? Is that something that can make that can well, freak you out? In
3: a way, the more sort of well known we got, I mean, it was easier. I mean, I could walk in a bank Right. Mm. If, 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 to this day, I can walk into the co op, mm. and if the person doesn't know who I am, mm-hmm. right, who's serving me, yeah, right, whatever I might be buying, you can tell that they get twitchy, <laughs> they'll, they'll treat me different, they'll look at me, and this in, in my head, yeah, right, because the first thing you notice is that this person starts getting frightened.
2: Right, because they think they don't know you're Sean Ryder. They think they you're a hooligan Sean or something, yeah.
3: Basically, the, because I don't sort of walk in and talk like that, Yeah. and I will walk in just as who I am, and, yeah. and I'll be me, and even if I'm trying to be friendly, you can see on these people's faces that mm. they think something's going to happen. Yeah. Right? Now, a lot of the times, I'll i'll and you'll turn around and there's a few fewer people there who know who I am. yeah but this motherfucker doesn't i've got a clue and they're
2: oh,
3: all <laughs> and you can see it and i'll get laughs of embarrassment from the queue
2: <laughs> right because they'll know who you are yeah, yeah.
3: you know and that and how do you fit
2: how, how do you do you find that amusing
3: i i i have to find it amusing yeah because of because of how i am. And my, programme programmed mm. I could easily pull down every shelf in the gaff mm. and throw things at him or make him look stupid
2: yeah do you get have you got you still got anger and rage do you have to work hard on, on keeping a lid yeah, on that y-
3: yeah yeah I mean not as much as I did when I was younger I mean as I've got older life's got a lot easier mm. you know once I hit my 40s life's got easier
2: why? Because you, you yes, just you, what you just keep I can, things more I can simple, it, right?
3: I can understand what's going on. Yeah, you know I understand that I have difficulties and and stuff. You know, so I can I deal with it.
2: And you cane it less than you used to as well. Does that help?
3: Do you know what? That, I, look, when I discovered marijuana and acid, mm. that turned me into being a junior psychopath to a half-respectable kid. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I can't get it where, look, I mean, I've got to tread on on it easily because I don't want to be putting ideas. Look, I'd hate it if my 10-year-old and 11-year-old, the day that comes when they start smoking weed, and because they go to private school and they're in that world, mm. they're going to smoke weed. <laughs> you know, Yeah. they may not do, but, the, you know, it's a big possibility that they are going to start smoking weed, mm. and I'll be gutted when that happens. Now, m- my older kids who have been smoking weed and experimenting with coke and e for the last twenty years—that's mm. different. I was young when I had them; I had a different, you know, mindset. I'm an older parent now. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm a grandparents' age, a mm. parent, so you know, it it really would, it's going to hurt me when the day, because their innocence is gone. Yeah. You know, it's all part of growing up and what they've got to do, and it didn't bother me with my other kids when I was younger, but as the older I am, it really does, it's going to, you know, their naivety of things, is going to be taken away, you know, and and we all know even, you know, I mean, look, it, it may lead to some great things, from smoking weed or doing acid, but at the end of the day, it's still, it's not going to be
2: all hunky-dory, is it? Yeah, but there's different drugs, isn't there? I mean, like, you know, I can see what you mean about weed and acid opened your mind up to different possibilities and maybe affected your personality in a good way. Cocaine, I don't know her, and I've never taken it. But when I think about what it must have been like when you were on tour, you know, in the, in the 80s and 90s, and you were caning it the whole time.
3: Well, I was never a cocaine head. I really yeah. wasn't. I mean, I, I didn't like cocaine. It, it just didn't do it for me. Crack cocaine did it for yeah. me. Yeah. It took me to the higher level, which I like. Cocaine made me dick shrink. Yeah. It made it look like a, a pencil sausage. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it, it really didn't. It, I could go in the toilets at nine o'clock at night when the club ended, and I would be in there till half past three.
2: What, what in the, the toilet? That, so smoking Snow crack? In, oh right, 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 right.
3: Crack? Smoke that and walk out. Yeah. It's how it hits your brain, really. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, it... But,
2: but you know, like I, from my when I used to take drugs and all that stuff, I used to feel fucking miserable after I'd caned it for a weekend, right? And and that was one of the things that encouraged me to give up. It was. Well, that's used...
3: natural anyway. Just like you was on booze for the
2: weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drugs, booze, whatever. I'm I'm yeah. classing it all together, really. And when you were like, you know, I just wonder when you were st- you were still quite young, men. You're with your band, you're with your brother and your best mates, and you're on tour. And you, you know, you must have sometimes felt can't have all been happy, did you? I mean, I'm, don't, I'm not no, trying but to soon leave you on. You yeah, you sorted that out. Back on it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You know, as soon as you woke up, because you, you know, you're waking up. You've got to get right on the next job. You've got to get on a flight. You've got to pack your bags. This and that. Everything else. Go and do press. Go and do that. So
2: as soon as you wake up, you sort yourself out. What about talking to people? Because a lot of what I'm, I've been talking about is like blokes never used to. In our generation, lots of blokes didn't talk about stuff to do with their mental health, their feelings and stuff like that. That's changing now. You know, I've interviewed younger blokes who, them and their mates, it's normal. Yeah, it's normal, normal in a way that it's it never normal. would have been.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row?
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Right,
2: but isn't it good that it's normal? Of course it's good that yeah. it's normal. Of course
3: it is. Of course it is. You know, it's like what they say now. Oh, You know, the younger generation now, they, they're getting, they're so much more aware and there's so much more of this. But you know what? They're so much more babied. Yeah. They're so much more model coddled. Yeah. They really are.
2: Yeah. Did you ever talk to your male friends if you were feeling down about something?
3: Probably, yeah. I mean, you know, my pals would know if I was on a downer, I'd let them know. Yeah. These these certainly my closest friends. There's certainly other people that I wouldn't let know. Yeah. You know, but me my, my closest pals, who I thought, you know, trust, I would... Let them know that I'm on one. I mean, because everybody
2: gets on one. know, mm. everyone gets on a bit of a bummer. And it, and and you think that talking. But I of...
3: really didn't have that many bummers.
2: Have you had? A, have you? When you look back on your life, do you, what have you? Can you think of any moment or any period where you think that was actually a fucking prolonged bleak period for me? Or have you not really lived your life in in a way that you've well, look, you've had to deal with that? I mean,
3: with me, what, I mean. I hate to keep going on about this, but in in in, in ninety eight, I had all my income cut off me. Yeah. Right, which means I could earn, but I couldn't keep. Yeah. So you could carry on earning. That didn't end till twenty fifteen. Right. So yeah. that's a lot of years of having a hundred percent of your income took off you. Yeah. So the way that I dealt with that was c- to be completely off my box all the time. Right. Really. You know, because you know, I, I have six children. You know, things get closed down. I, I, I really did. I just dealt with it, because, you know, I, I know people that have lost their money for three years, two years, mm. and uh, they're trying hanging themselves. Yeah. You know, mine went on for fifteen years. Yeah. And I dealt with that by just being off me, not, and and taking lots of risks. You know, with the way that I lived. And so, you know, and, and it helped doing these risks when I was off my nut.
2: Right. And what about, um and, and was that, how did you manage to maintain your relationships? Like with your kids, I mean, with your missus? I mean,
3: the kids. The kids. My kids got difficult because of the partners that I was with. Right. I don't want to start anything major. important. Yeah. Obviously, I mean there's some of if you are off your note then by rights, you know, you're not going anywhere near your kids. But uh you know Say that again what you just said.
2: <laughs> how did you during those years, those tough years, how did you manage to like maintain relationships with people?
3: Yeah, well you know, obviously the relationships with the partner that I was with. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: I really am. You know, yeah. I mean, I was only probably with those people because
4: I was off me. Not. Yeah. You know,
3: you don't go on get on all oh, these there's absolutely nothing in common,
2: but you've got yeah you know they share the same interests. Let's say yeah yeah. So you know that
3: that's it really. And as far as the kids was. And I mean, you know, I I, I try to be there for, for kids, I mean, you know, for the children, but you know, you're not absolutely, you know it, 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 the Entertainment, the music world's not the most stainish thing anyway, is it? No. Nah. You can go away on tour and be away for, you know, a long time and just not not get in touch.
2: Yeah. But n- how about now? Where, where are you at now? You know, things 2000, it's 2019 now, so you've got four oh, years I was, since. That was really good. Yeah.
3: Really, it, I mean, you know, it has been for, for quite a while. I mean, since my missus came into my life when I, you know, I was 40, 40 years old, 41. Uh, you know, she really did put me right in
2: our yeah.
3: Oh you know, it took her it took a while to get there.
2: So she must so, have had a lot of faith in you. She must have really loved you from well, she it. She really must have she must have well. seen something deep inside. Oh yeah.
3: Yeah. I met her when it, I met her when we were seventeen. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and she blew me out because she knew that well she said, look, if, if, if we'd have got together then mm. and and your career's just taking off, you'd have shit all over me. Yeah. And she'd have probably waited till I'd gone to sleep and cut me throat. <laughs> yeah. That's
2: and, the sort of bird she is. and and she's right. You would have done, wouldn't you? No, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Because one, I was young. Yeah. You know, young and, and young guys. I mean, I can't understand how any guy who gets married before he's forty. Yeah. Is ever ever gonna be able to stay with the rules? Yeah. Where you're not shagging. You're not going out with the boys. You're not yeah. going out in a pub. You're just not ready for that. Yeah. Before you're 40 years old. Yeah. And anybody who does, you marries the school sweetheart, and then they all wonder why at 32 it's all breaking down for both of them because the woman's not grown, the guy's not, you know, he's yeah. not getting it. They, yeah. You know, he was children when he got together. Yeah. And then you become an adult, you know, really in your 30s, and 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 then to sit there scratching your head why it's not working.
2: Yeah. Um, when we talk about, you know, now, the, you know, think about people listening to this. Maybe they're younger than you, or blokes who grew up, you know, worshiping you as a hero. Um, and you said rightly a little bit earlier, everyone gets on one. Everyone feels miserable. We can label it with whatever we want—depression, yeah, anxiety, or whatever. That's but that's just life. Have you got any advice for people about? talking to your mates about it because some, some of us just think it's not really if you grew up a certain way you just don't really think about you think talking about your feelings is is, well, I, is a bit weird and embarrassing
3: OK I've got mates well I've got a mate mm. right that I can talk to about anything yeah. anything you know where I'm going through it or whatever where I've been I can talk to them I'm, I'm, surely we must all have somebody like that. I mean, I'm lucky, you know, I've got a pal, I mean, and I've probably got a few other pals that I I can talk to things about, but I don't wish to.
2: And do people come to you when they're feeling like that? Are you the sort of mate who people come to? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I've got a pal who will come to me and tell me the shit that's going on. Yeah. I mean, especially for men because, you know, um, one, you never think you're going to be growing old. Yeah. You know, you does not matter how old you are, you know, whether you're 40 or 50, there's still something about a man that there's still kids inside their head. Women mm. grow up mm. really early, mm. you know, they got to deal with periods and all sorts of things from the age of 12. Mm. It's a totally different thing, but men we stay kids until we're 40, we yeah. really do, yeah, yeah, you know, we're big kids, and then we get a woman that can basically fill in the mother's. Yeah. Telling you what to do. Yeah. Putting you on the right track. You know, so, you know, forgot what the fuck you're
2: talking about again. But you're lucky if you've got that woman in your life. life, And and if you don't have someone like that in your life, try and be, try and have the balls to be honest with mates who you do think care about you. I
3: mean, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I mean, I suppose we, not everybody's looking up to even have a good mate, I
2: suppose. Yeah.
3: But, you know, you really... Some
2: blokes are lonely. Yeah. You know, nowadays they do these reports, and nowadays in the world we live in, some blokes just don't really go out and do much anymore. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is not really the sort of problem that you probably would have ever experienced. I can't imagine you ever being lonely.
3: Luckily enough, I don't mind my own company. Mm. I don't mind being on my own. Yeah. You
2: know uh, have you always some... been like that yeah 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 what do I... you do if you're at home on your own for the day
3: oh whatever i fucking want which <laughs> usually involves watching movies yeah uh, watching the news watching the history channel uh, and then later on getting a fucking bottle of uh, jameson's yeah <laughs> And, and, and finishing off watching whatever I want
2: to watch. Oh, or listening to that... music, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, do you listen to a lot of music? I mean, what do you do... If you're feeling miserable, but you're on your own, is that basically the routine you just described? Would that be what you would do?
3: Well, luckily, again, I'm I'm not... I don't feel... Right, here's a, here's a mad thing, right? My memory's going. Right. I go to the specialist the other week. Yeah. Right, now, don't forget, I've got... I've got thyroid problems, I've got testosterone problems, right? Yeah. Now your thyroid as well hits on a lot of things. Yeah. I mean it really does. And your thyroid controls most of the things that are going on in your body. Right? Yeah. And and some of the conditions with the thyroid, they mimic depression. They mimic other things. So if you go to doctors, the first thing a doctor's gonna say is that, it's that. And then the thyroid specialist will go, Well, no, it's not because that comes out of this. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so your memory is, my memory is another one of those things that is, is closely related. Well, it is caused by the thyroid problem. So I go over the memory, and one of the people at the memory place says, You're depressed. Yeah. And I go well, I'm not depressed. No, you're depressed. We're going to. We're going to pump up your thyro... Not your thyroxine. Uh, there's uh, a... What, what? A long time, about three years ago, I was given an antidepressant. And I was given this antidepressant because of how the thyroid affects you.
2: Right.
3: Right? It's not depression, but the game. And I was having that was it. When they took my testosterone off me, Find out my levels. I had a panic attack. And right. if you're on X amount of testosterone, and all of a sudden I'm in the middle of Hong Kong, I've gone from Hong Kong to to Japan, Japan back to there, back to there, back to there. Done all these flights. They took my testosterone off me, and I land, and I can't breathe. Right. Right. I have my first ever at 53 years old, a panic attack. I've never. I've never witnessed anything like it in my life. You know, all the years when I've had, I've been in tricky situations, you know, guns going off in Jamaica, guns pulled out and stuck in my eyeball in New York, you know, gun battles, you know, just bullshit, right? As a young man, I never had a panic attack.
4: Yeah.
3: No PTSD. Got up with it the next day, dealt with it, moved on, right? There fucking Hong Kong have this this big blowout where I can't breathe. So it's a panic attack. But they they took my testosterone off me while they got my measurements and found out this and that. they just withdrawn it. Right. You take somebody's testosterone off and would withdraw the lot.
2: Mm. Straight off as well. Straight off. That's like a cliff edge. They, yeah. They,
3: yeah, that's cold turkey.
2: Yeah, they don't t- taper you off they like you're t- supposed to with off. any drug. Yeah. The
3: fucking lot off me. Yeah. And I've gone on a tour. Yeah. And I've done all these places, all these flights, landing in Hong Kong, and all of a sudden, boom, it hit me when my testosterone level has gone to absolutely zilch. Shit. Now, I had high testosterone anyway mm. as a young man. And then to have that, I've gone into this panic. And it's the worst thing. I've never come across anything more disabilitating in my life. How long did and it last for? Attack. It lasted for over 12 months. Seriously? Over 12 months. Where and is
2: this like the sweats, your heart going?
3: I could not breathe.
2: Fucking hell.
3: Couldn't breathe. Now, it's all in your head. So I'm having to tell myself this is in your head. Even though you can't breathe now, it's in your head. And it was terrible. I got over it, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, look what happened to me now. I am totally bald. I don't have a hair on my body. Mm. I have no eyelashes. I have no eyebrows. Why? Because he fucking took my testosterone off me again.
2: Why well, do they keep doing it?
3: It took me testosterone off me this time because of it's either red or white blood cells.
2: Right. Right. right.
3: But again, instead of withdrawing it and tapering me down, they took my whole testosterone gel off me. Yeah. Where I was putting three pumps on that leg, four pumps on that leg. Yeah. Right. Instead of taking me down and going, two on that, two on that, they took it all away. Within three, three weeks of that, every air on my body had fallen out. I've got no eyelashes. No eyebrows, and I can't fucking breathe again.
2: Back it now, mate.
3: And I'm feeling like suicide, but I know it's because I've got no testosterone.
2: So can't you? So what's going on with the docs then? Well,
3: they put me back up, and and you know what? Again, I don't like to slag the national health, right? Yeah. But the national health, all he was concerned about, and I'm going. I'll fucking pay for this, mate. Yeah. I'll pay for me fucking testosterone. But again, you go to the doctor, this and that, you'd say, oh, that all they was what he was bothered about, was how much money this was costing.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: I pay a fucking high tax rate. Yeah. So I think I deserve, no matter what it is, that. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know, Anyway, yeah. you know, it was uh, how it was. <laughs> so that's why I'm bald, and I haven't got an air on my fucking body. Well, mate, it suits you. And I could sue the... You know, I feel like suing these fuckers... But I can sue the National Health.
2: Yeah, you can't. Do it's that. not on. You got, to, but you got to go to a private doctor. They'll prescribe you. I've been you.
3: to private. Look, the private doctor. Yeah. Look again. It's a. But still, the private doctor is still gonna start chatting with
2: your GP. Specialist. Yeah, yeah. The the, the NHS one. Yeah.
3: So I am back up. Yeah. I'm not where so, I'd like to be.
2: Yeah, but they have started giving it to you again. Yeah. Sean, all I can say is it suits you, mate, as one baldy to another. Yeah, yeah well. You know, I like that. Yeah, look. but
3: you see the thing about your head is, yeah. like mine used to be, when I had a skinhead, Yeah, you could see the black underneath. Yeah. That.
2: You're like proper like smooth minge. Yeah, that's all right. That's that's serious baldness.
3: You wanna stick your dick in that,
2: don't you? <laughs> Sean, it's a pleasure to see you. It's a pleasure to talk to you as always. Thanks for I'm being... being too honest there. Thanks no, you've been beautifully honest, and I really appreciate it, and I'm sure everyone well, we listening will as well. I agree, and I think it's powerful to hear someone like you, who so many people kind of grew up with in a sense and respect, saying the same thing. You know, you go through it, everyone goes through it, it's all right to talk about it. Good man, Sean. Thank you Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed listening to Sean. I thought it was a brilliantly honest chat. And Sean talks about these sort of things in just the sort of language that I, and hopefully a lot of you listening, can relate to. There'll be more interesting guests with unusual takes on all of this stuff in the forthcoming weeks. The best way to listen to this pod and stay in touch with everything I'm doing with The Reset is to subscribe at samdelaney.substack.com. Substack is the platform through which I also publish the Reset newsletter, which comes out every Friday. A few musings from me on all the sort of subjects that surround stuff like mental health, addiction, recovery, and just resetting your demons. So subscribe to that. It's free. You will get the weekly newsletter. You will get this weekly podcast emailed directly to you. You can also follow me for more stuff on Twitter at DelaneyMan. Thanks. And see you next time. Hold
0: up.